Coming to you entirely pre-recorded from the Garage of Solitude in lovely Queens, New York, I'm Mario Francisco Robles. And from the home bad office on Long Island, New York, I'm Brett Miro, and this is episode 165 of the Fanboy Podcast. It certainly is, and we have a lot to talk about. The the uh, format on this show is going to be a little interesting, too. We're going to get into some listener topics. There's some questions that have been sitting in our The Fanboy Podcast at gmail.com inbox for a bit. And finally, we're going to give you that Ask the Fanboys episode. But we're also going to talk about some of the insanity going on right now with the release of Black Adam now looming, the premiere in New York City taking place this week, and what's now been confirmed to take place during that film. But first things first, Brett Bredersen, what have you been watching or playing this week? So um, uh, as far as what I've been watching, I've been watching uh, Andor. Um, I am not caught up though, unfortunately. I'm about, uh, I think I'm about three episodes you're a bad in. person. Yeah. A bad person. You're I'm enjoying it. Person. But, but to make up for it, I did catch up and finish She-Hulk. Um, so ah. I just watched the finale. And, um, you know, I, I think people have been kind of like spoiling it a little bit online and stuff like that. But uh, it's it's very fun. I, I very yeah. much enjoyed the show. I think it's uh, it's not a really long time investment. Every episode is about a half hour. Um, so if you were kind of like, eh, I don't know, on the fence, do it because it's very fun. They have a lot of fun with the MCU. They poke a lot of fun at themselves. There's a little bit of that fourth wall stuff. Tatiana Maslany is extremely charming. And, um, you know, <laughs> listen, there's parts where the the CG is a little like, eh. And other parts actually looks really, really good. But, yeah. I mean, all that aside, it's a it's a very, very fun show. I really enjoyed it. I think it's going to be probably like – it might be like my top three of the Marvel shows. Wow. Actually. Um, you know, I mean, I know the bar hasn't been that high. But it's, it's definitely it, – it's very well done. Uh, and especially after that finale, I had a, I had a lot of fun with it. They had a, they had mm-hmm. you could tell they had a ton of fun. It was very very meta, uh, way yeah. more meta than I thought they would ever get, and it, it's very cool. Uh, <laughs> also, um, there there's another show. Oh, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, and I actually forgot to follow up. So uh, I was watching that show. Kevin can fuck himself. Um, I think I described it before. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, it's a great great title. Um, you know, and it's like half sitcom, half. Half multicam live audience sitcom and then half like, you know, HBO single cam drama. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they uh, they this is the second season and it's also the final season. I don't know if like uh, it was always intended just to be like a two season thing. And that's the story they wanted to tell. Or if AMC was like, listen, we're giving you one more season and then it's done. So wrap it up. I don't know yeah. really like behind the scenes of it. But uh, yeah, it wrapped up. I just watched the finale the other day. Um, and it was, it was, I really liked it. I think it ended really, really cool. And, um, you know, it got a little meandering, I would say maybe in the middle, but I really enjoyed the way it ended. And, uh, you know, what's fun about that show is like the, the play between the, the multicam sitcom, you know, doofy, like, uh, Kevin James type comedy, you know, versus like the more serious, like HBO, like, you know, prestige drama and, uh, they executed it really well. And they, I don't want to like spoil anything because that's the fun, but like, there's a thing that I, I was hoping and was kind of expecting to happen, uh, you know, in the final episode, and it did, and it paid off in a very rewarding way and uh, gave a whole new perspective on a lot of the stuff you've been watching the whole time. Um, oh, it's always cool when that happens. Yeah, specifically when you're watching, like, the multicam, uh, you know, part of it, like, the, with the laugh track and everything, it, yeah. it gave a new little dimension to that, and it was really, really cool because you are kind of seeing, like, two perspectives, if you will of a situation yeah. and uh yeah so that that was excellent um but yeah i think that's mainly what i've been doing 
As far as playing, I've still been uh, toying around with uh, Ghost of Tsushima, um, which is a really awesome open world game in feudal Japan, uh, Kurosawa style. Um, starting to get the hang of it better. The combat is, is really, really cool. You're with the samurai sword. It's so awesome. <laughs> and like, it's a lot about parrying and like, and like, and like different stances. So like you might be changing your stance depending what type of enemy you're fighting and what kind of weapon they have. So it adds depth, yeah. but it's not like extremely complicated where it's like a thousand buttons. And, but, but let know. me ask, is there limb damage or is it one of those things where you hit a guy with a katana 13 times and he's still intact? It's never like 13 <laughs> times like but you some of them like you have to hit a little bit more cuz they, they but they're heavily armored they're like samurai like samurai armor and stuff yeah. mongol armor yeah. So, but yeah, it doesn't get like, it's not like egregious with it where it's like, okay, why am I fighting this guy for like an hour? Some of the yeah. bosses, they, they take some damage, you know, it is what it is. But for the most yeah. part, like regular enemies, like if you're like really good at dispatching them, you can like take them out pretty quick. And, and, uh, there's also a lot of stealth. So you can like chain, I, I unlocked an ability now to like chain assassinations. So if I kill someone real quick, I can immediately like dash over and just slice another guy and it's. It feels real good. Um, so yeah, get, the game feels great. It's uh, it's a, it's like stunning on PS5. Oh my god, it's like a graphical showcase. It's beautiful. So uh, yeah, that's that's mainly. Uh, I'm sure I've done little odds and ends there. But tell me, yeah. what you've been up to, Mister Busy? Oh well, what I've been up to, Mister Busy, <laughs> like Mister Busy, real yeah, creative thanks. on the fly. Uh, you know, yeah, that's, well, that is what you're most known for. So but uh, yeah, look, I've been playing the hell out of Assassin's Creed Valhalla this week. Been trying to make a dent. Uh, it's insane having you'll like never you'll never make a dent. Quests going on at the same yeah. time, uh, and feeling like I've played for three hours and I've done nothing. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I've been playing lots of that. And uh, I did a deep dive on Andor. Finally, you know, I told you I watched the first episode, yes. and we talked about that I think last week. And uh, th today, today, I watched episodes two through six. And wow. I don't typically do that. Yeah, I'm not much of a sit and binge all day type these days. But when you get me, you get me. And yeah. Andor, I got to tell you, I am just so into it. It's, good. It is um, really it's good. just it, it phenomenal. It really is like I love that it's a real spy show. That it feels like, you know, the, it's about the espionage, it's about the planning, it's about the heist, it's about the team, it's about who's the double agent, it's about, you know, it's about, it's got all these great spy elements, but it's also got a story that's entirely relatable and entirely correlates to like real life. You know, yes. this is at the end of the day, this is a story of oppressed people from all over the place coming together and trying to form a rebellion against a tyrannical empire. You know, it's a really it's a very relatable human story just yep. set in the cosmos and it's told fantastically. But at the end of the day, this is a story and the, the, these are arcs and these are types of characters that exist in real life. You know, the, 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 all these things correlate with real issues and things about, you know, empires overstepping bounds and, and, and raping and plundering other people's places and what, are, what, what happens to the refugees that are left behind and how the seeds of a revolution can be planted. You know, it's stuff that like it's stripped from real life, but it's put out there. Right. So it's a little easier to watch and is more palatable, let's say. But I just love when the stories mean something and Andor yeah. really means something. And it feels to me like I brought up last time, 
it's the first one of these new Star Wars things that really does feel like it's totally on its own and not trying to suck at the teat of the Skywalker saga. Yeah. Everything else at some point, even like I told you, even my beloved Mandalorian has gotten very much attached to Skywalker yeah. and all of that. And I'm so happy now that Andor is a show that's not just about, oh, look, this leads to this reference. This is a reference to that line from episode four, or this is why that thing right. happened in episode five. Like, no, there's none of those stupid gimmicky connections. This isn't a fan service show. This is a show about riveting characters. Oh, and it's about great writing and acting too, by the way. I feel like yep. of the ones that we've seen so far, like the scenes between Diego, like the, um, with Andor and Skeen and the other characters that he that he links up with on that planet. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to like give spoilers out, but yeah. you know, he's he, he gets hooked in uh, some larger plot. Well, no, 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 no. Skeen is this guy who at first, like you don't know where he's coming from. And they have this scene. Uh, I don't even know if I met that about, guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I just it, it, it's 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 an actor's show. There's actually like there's meat and potatoes on these roles. There's dimensions. There's layers, and yeah. I just love seeing this. And this is a Star Wars joint, but it feels very much like a real serious bit of entertainment yeah. that has something to say and something for your mind and something for your heart. So it feels like Andor, this was always the promise of. Disney taking over Star Wars and giving us these expanded universe stories and, and shows like, yeah. like I feel like Mando season one kind of did that for me, but there was still that little, you know, uh, cling to the Skywalker saga. And then they went much further with that in, in season yeah. two. Um, it looks like season three, they might be pulling it back and it's going to be a little yeah. more with Clone Wars stuff, which I'm cool with because I'm yeah. not as familiar. But this show really feels like, yeah, this is the, like, you got the Star Wars license, you're going to pump money into it. Yeah, like, stop giving me these, like, nostalgia fests, like, and, you know, yeah. like, Tell give me, me some these new other stories. types of stories in that universe. And that's the perfect way yeah. to do it. And it's, like, stuff like this that still feels familiar and for the, you know, the the fans of the original trilogy, I think are cool to keep going while, like, maybe, maybe cinematically, we do move to, like, you know, the High Republic era or, like, whatever this new yeah. Star Wars is going to be that's disconnected. And we can keep these, like, loosely affiliated with the time period of the Skywalker saga shows ongoing that feel more yeah. familiar and then, and pave, you know, charter course for something new. I know sacrilege yeah. to some people, but I think, I think, yeah, it could be something a little different than maybe just lightsabers and retro looking technology. And, and, and that's and why that. I hope the numbers for Andor are strong so that it tells the people yeah. over there, Oh, people, there is an appetite for stuff. That's just off the beaten path. We don't have yeah. to keep, telling stories that are like run parallel to stories everyone already knows you know yeah um and there's so many little things about it but like even that opening thing where it always opens with that shot of you see the sliver of a moon in the distance of a dark you know outer space sort of landscape and then little by little the letters come out that say andor and to me yeah. since the letters seemingly come from the stars, they build subtly and they come from all over the place. It's like, yes, this is about Cassian Andor, but this is about people from all over the galaxy coming together. This is really a story of the birth of the, yeah. of, of the rebellion. And even yeah. that, that simple image of seeing how the name comes together, it's like from many comes one. So we're focusing on this one, but this is about the plight of the many coming together from all these different walks of life, coming together and saying enough is enough. We don't want to be oppressed anymore. And this is injustice and we're going to fight against 
the uh, our common evil, you know, and they address the stuff about how like the ones in power love to like divide us and keep us fighting amongst ourselves. And, you know, it, it's it's funny. I feel like Ryan Johnson probably loves Andor. Because yeah. The Last Jedi was a very sort of like, you know, anti-war war movie. You know what I mean? It was an anti-war Star Wars movie. and had a lot of sort of socio-political things to say about the seeds of war and arms dealers and how one side is helping the other while pretending to stop. the. Everything is like, you know, kind of corrupt and you can't really trust the people above you. And Andor totally kind of runs with that, too. So I feel like Ryan yeah. Johnson's like, this is my kind of Star Wars right yeah. here, you know? Um, and one other thing that I just find fascinating about all this is because when Rogue One was in development, was when Rogue One was getting filmed, you know, I was one of the people who helped break the story back in the day over at the Splash Report in 2016, that Rogue One had been reshot almost by half. That they that 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 Gareth Evans or Gareth Edwards, the guy who had yeah. done the first Godzilla movie, had turned in a first cut that the studio was like not feeling at all, and they decided, okay, we're going to keep all the big action set pieces that we've already invested in, but we're going to change up almost all the connective tissue. And we're going to bring in Tony Gilroy, the director and writer who comes from like the Bourne movies and stuff to write it and direct the new material. But Gareth Edwards will still be credited. It was very much like what happened yeah. with Joss Whedon and Zack Snyder. Oh yeah. The studio hijacked the hell out of Rogue One and the Gilroys jumped in there, rewrote it, reshot it. You know, they basically took over that and yet it still went out there as a Gareth Edwards movie, right? And Rogue yeah. One still went on to do very nicely at the box office. It was an overall well-received film. And now when it came time to adapt it into like TV world, you notice Gareth Edwards is nowhere involved with any of this right. this is an expansion of a movie that he supposedly is the director of credit on but the guy who did the down and dirty quiet reshoots <laughs> and the uncredited work he actually gets to do the spin-off tv show i just find that sort of stuff funny that weird right. little like that behind the scenes how did that all work out but at the end of the day gilroy i think is the man for the job because the way he's structured these stories and it's tony and his brother dan um, so far that yeah, they've been writing and directing and lots of the episodes so far. I just, I'm obsessed with this world that they're building out. I'm already crazy invested in the character characters, including the one played by Stellan Skarsgård. He's so cool. Do you uh, notice that Stellan's, he's great and everything, but Stellan Skarsgård just sounds like Lord Harkonnen from Dune, like who he also played. Oh, he just, I, know, I haven't seen Dune. I haven't Whoa! seen him. I know. He's, yeah, I know. he talks exactly like this all the time. <laughs> like, that's exactly how he sounds on the show. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great. Uh, but uh, he's awesome. So, yeah. But yes, but Andor is really, really good. And you know what else is really, really good? And then we'll get into the, the rest of the episode. The uh, I decided to go out on a limb and mm -hmm. check out that Kevin Smith reboot of Masters of the Universe. That's on Netflix. Oh. I saw the first two episodes of Masters of the Universe Revelation. Holy shit, Brett. I don't know if you were a He-Man guy. Like when you I were was. Younger. I know you're younger I than me. Okay. Have you seen this thing? 
I haven't. I've heard some things. Okay. Stop. Full stop. Holy yeah. shit. You're going to see it. You're going to see it when we're done recording. <laughs> okay. Because I, listen, I wasn't sure what to expect. I was actually having an afternoon hanging out with my son. My wife and my daughter were out of the house doing, both of my daughters were out. So it was just the guys, you know, and I'm like, I want to watch something with Seb. Ooh, they have He-Man. I loved He-Man. He Let's see. I've heard good <laughs> things. Why not? And I was sitting there like a little boy. I pretty much like I it it it's so good. It's epic. Oh, it's goal. more serious. No, but that's the thing too. Like it's more serious. It may like He-Man is still He-Man, but they've added all kinds of interesting layers to it. But the animation is still. Oh, I just can't say enough good things. It's totally worth your time. Masters of the Universe Revelation. Through two episodes so far, I've I've felt the elation of a small boy watching He-Man kick ass and take names. I've I've actually had genuine like tears from some stuff that's happened that I will not spoil because it gets remarkably powerful. And I've also noted some of the interesting stuff that they've added into the mix. Like they've they've added some differentiation between He-Man and Adam, whereas Adam, he actually is somewhat kind of like effeminate, very kind of like light in the wrists and a little more like, you know, it's they, they've made Adam one way and He-Man another. Okay. And meanwhile, they've made uh, Shira kind of like she's more strong and a badass. Okay. And it, it just they've created some interesting juxtapositions, but He Man is still He Man, and Skeletor, right, right. and like every it's just it's interesting. You can tell that they, <laughs> they, they they're approaching the material from a smarter, you know, from an interesting vantage yeah. point, and it's totally kick ass. That's but, great. Okay, so right now. I'm going to throw away to my Superman on film update for the week. And what's interesting about this one is I brought on a friend. I'm going to be introducing him at the start of the segment. So I will not do that here. So without further ado, here is this week's Superman on film update. All right, so for this week's Superman on film update, I am not alone. I am joined by another fellow Superman fanatic. He has his own phenomenal podcast called the Poema Podcast. He is James Prescott. How are you doing, James? I'm great. It's good to be here. It's an absolute privilege to be here. I love this. I, I, I watch this podcast every week on YouTube. Um, I love it. So to be a guest here is fantastic. It's it and it's great to have you on. I've been on your show. I've been on Poema to discuss, you know, kind of like the philosophy of superheroes and why they could mean so much to us. And you and I waxed philosophical on the meanings of Superman and why it, having a good portrayal of him and available in popular culture can be uh, just such a wonderful symbol of hope and a friend to some lonely kids in need. Because I think we were those lonely boys at some point, right? Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, we both have that thing where we think of Superman as a friend, even though he's, you know, a fictional character and he exists mainly in celluloid and on paper and in some sort of digital forms. Uh, he feels very much like a, you know, a symbol of hope and a, someone who's been there for us through the years. So it's mm. very exciting to now be discussing with you the fact that there seems to be some credible 
Superman news on the horizon that his yeah, no. return to the big screen might actually be a thing soon. So let me just kind of let me offer the update of this week and then let's kind of you know hash it all out. So mm. since last week's episode where I tried my best to avoid uh, the spoilers of what apparently is going to be happening in Black Adam this week, I feel like who are we kidding? The spoilers are out there. If you've been anywhere on the internet, you know where this is going. So uh, by all accounts, we are going to be getting Henry Cavill's Superman back on the big screen, and he's going to make his reintroduction to, to audiences around the world via a post-credit sequence in Black Adam. And that's what we were discussing last week, but Almost immediately after I published that episode, some more interesting details came out that apparently we owe this, James. We owe this to Dwayne The Rock Johnson himself. Now, it's long been like a theory that, you know, that I've held, that others have whispered too, that he might be the key to unlocking more Henry Cavill Superman goodness. But up until this point, it's been a little dodgy. You know, at times he's been a bit evasive about who will play Superman when Black Adam eventually faces him. At times, he's been a little uh, non-committal about whether or not he wants his Black Adam movies to even be attached to the currently established DCEU. So it didn't always seem like a sure thing, but now the rumors out there from credible people are that Mr. Johnson went to bat for Henry Cavill, that he went to Warner Brothers Discovery and launched kind of like a full court press campaign to say that we need to have Superman back front and center. It needs to be Henry. And here's how we can do it in the most exciting way. And apparently he's the one who finally got the studio to go. Fine. Let's do it. Let's bring back Henry. Let's give him a new lease on life. Let's reestablish his Superman in some upcoming DC films. And uh, it looks like this is really happening, James. So first and foremost, how do you feel hearing that The Rock might have brought Henry back for us? Well, yeah. I mean, you've seen my Twitter this week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like there's a new bit of news every single day. Yeah. Um, and. You know, now there's, in, there's like interviews with Dwayne Johnson, like mm -hmm. him talking openly about his love for Superman um, and how he's like, he's been on the sidelines for too long. Yep. And um, and even saying that, yeah, that the whole end goal of this is to get a, a Superman Black Adam movie. Um, yeah. Which would be incredible. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I've just been getting more and more excited. I was like, wow, you know, it's, it's nice that Superman's got a fan like Dwayne Johnson yes. in his corner because uh, he really believes in the character and he believes in Henry Cavill as well. Yes, which, yes. Uh, it's really important. And that's the big thing too, yeah, because they do have the joint connection, right, where Danny Garcia, The Rock's ex-girlfriend, uh, no, ex-wife, I should ex -wife, say. Ex-wife, yeah. Uh, ex-wife, <laughs> Danny Garcia, uh, is the business manager for both of them. So it's long kind of seemed like, you know, it would be in The Rock's best interest, too, to keep Henry going. Because if Henry's doing well, Danny's doing well. If Danny's doing well, The Rock's doing well. And so is Seven Bucks Production. So there always seemed to be, you know, the potential for synergy there between Cavill mm -hmm. and Johnson and having Garcia there as the intermediary. But now we're hearing that, you know, it really did come to fruition and that he's the one we seem to be able to thank for this. And that now, not only will this be a cameo, because see, that, that that's the new wrinkle in all this. 
some of these rumors go back years yeah. where Cavill and his camp wanted a deal like this. They wanted to reestablish Superman and give him a new leaf on life, a new lease on life, I should say. But at the time, all the talk was as cameo. So he could just appear as a sort of like mentor figure to younger heroes. And just so that this DCEU has a functioning Superman somewhere. But the latest wrinkle in this rumor is that this is not just about cameos anymore but that he will get his own movie that, you know, some cameos and appearances in black Adam and in a crossover film are going to be there to sort of reestablish him, but that it doesn't end there that we will get a full fledged solo Superman movie starring Henry Cavill again. Yeah. So that, yeah. Oh, that's exciting. right. Yeah. And I, I'm a big fan of Henry Cavill. I think he really embodies the role. He mm -hmm. understands the character. Yep. He has a lot of love for the character as well. Um, yeah. And he has a way that he wants to do the character, which I think is fits with who the character is. And yeah. and so I'm really excited. Um, yeah, he's spoken for years about, yeah, about like looking for, you know, wanting to play a more confident, joyful, classic, you know, version of Superman, the inspiration of hope. You know, he's spoken for years of wanting to be able to do a more classic story. And I think he's been kind of strategic, too, because, like, he doesn't come out and say, I really hate what happened after Man of Steel. But he's alluded to the fact that, like, Man of Steel was a great start. And then certain decisions were made after that that maybe Henry himself might not have made and maybe at the end of the day might have hurt his chances at becoming this generation's Superman, you know, being the Christopher Reeve, so to speak, for a new generation of Superman fans. You know, in certain interviews, he he's he doesn't come out and say they really screwed this up, but he has made it clear that, like, he would love to have it back. He'd love to be able to go back to the end of Man of Steel and build outward from there, you know? Yeah. And I guess now, you know, as we discuss what another Henry Cavill Superman movie would be, you know, I'm just curious, you know, because it's funny when you and I first discussed you coming on the show here and discussing mm -hmm. a Superman movie, it was in the context of a reboot, you know, because up until these yeah. last few weeks, yeah. it, we are the, the, the word was that Henry was not in the cards to return and that if anything, the studio was looking to relaunch with some bold new take produced by J.J. Abrams and written by Ta-Nehisi Coates. So I feel like you and I wanted to get together and decide, okay, if we were to start from scratch and do a whole new soup to nuts, brand new Superman franchise, how would we do it? But yeah. now it's more like what would a pseudo sequel to Man of Steel starring Henry Cavill look like to us? What would be our ideal way to continue him onward? So I'm just curious, you know, hearing that Henry may get his own solo movie, what's a, a story or an approach or a direction that you'd love for them to take with him? Well, it, it depends. I mean, it depends on what happens in Flash. Like, do they... Yeah. Like, I have this feeling, and I don't know this at all, but I have this feeling they might want to... They might somehow remove Batman v Superman and Justice League from the timeline you know yeah um and so this movie will kind of i'm not, I'm not saying it'll happen directly after man of steel but it will be yeah. it will be this it will be the sequel to man of steel effectively in his timeline yeah like 
So I'm thinking that I'm that's the approach. I mean, that's what that's kind of what I would do, to be perfectly honest. Although you could do it the other way, you could do it following on from Justice League as well, if you wanted to, mm-hmm. um, because that kind of fits with his story arc through those movies. Yeah. But I would I would do the other, I would do the, the you know, the, what I what I said previously, the uh yeah, get rid of Justice League and Batman v Superman and then like Yeah. So and then what's the next story that, that that Superman character is gonna experience? So he's just arrived on Earth and like people have just met him for the first time. Yeah. Um and I did like the idea, even though I didn't I'm not a fan of Zack Snyder and what he did with the character, but I did like the idea of there being resistance to like Superman and who he was. Sure, like, yeah. Fear, you know, about like this aliens come from another planet with all these powers, like what's he gonna do? Yeah. So you'd have to have a story. I would like a story where he kind of just proves himself basically to everyone. Like, I mean, that would be um and I yeah, you know, I mean I've I've wanted to see Brainiac in a Superman movie for Yes, the, I had a feeling you were gonna bring um, him up. I'm we're on the same page there, yeah. Like I do not I don't want General Zod, I don't want Doomsday, I don't want Lex Luthor, I don't want any we we feel like we've done those to death kind of a yes, little bit. And, please, yes. Um, so I kind of want something else, and I, I, I and it's got to be a, a, a like a villain that's worthy of Superman that needs Superman to defeat him, right? Yeah. So, um, that's the whole deal with Superman. He's so powerful that you need a very yeah. powerful villain for him to who can challenge him. So, uh, and Brainiac's never been done in the movies, and mm-hmm. he's a villain that very much suits movies rather than yeah. TV. You need a big budget to do it, right? Um, absolutely. It's an interesting character. There's different versions of the character. Yeah. Um, there's ways you could introduce the character. You could use, like, you could use, you could have him partnering with Lex Luthor if you wanted to have Lex Luthor. Like, you could have him, if Lex Luthor's a billionaire tech guy, you could have Brainiac helping him rise up with his, you know, cryptonian technology or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, that's just an idea. Or but, even Intergang or some other, you know, yeah, villainous yeah. force that is known to cavort with aliens to try to gain power. You know, Intergang mm-hmm. traditionally cavorts with Darkseid, but this is a movie adaptation. Yeah. They could say that, you know, Brainiac is the one that they kind of turn to to try to help. But I'm with you, though, on Brainiac needing to be the next villain or hopefully one of the next major villains they tackle. Yeah. Because I think he could be a villain for our times, too. He could be... There's something timely about Brainiac. In this age where we're constantly having discussions about the advances of technology, the loss of privacy, the way we're gamed by algorithms and misinformation and all this sort of stuff, you could totally make a Brainiac that's like an evil Alexa at first, or like any or a Siri, you know, some yeah. kind of artificial intelligence that Earth initially adopts and thinks, oh, this is so great. It makes life so easy. Where did this technology even come from? And then you find out that this AI that's being that's being transmitted all around the world is actually Brainiac and he's infiltrating our information. He's turning people against Superman. He's dividing people. He's, you know, he's using, um, you know, misinformation and other nefarious, you know, fake news almost, so to speak, to turn people against each other and turn people against Superman, which stands directly in contrast with Superman's mission of inspiring hope and uniting people. You know, so you could tell a very sort of like humanistic story that has a very sort of like palpable real world crossover. 
yeah. but using the metaphor, so to speak, of him fighting this big, you know, AI computer yeah. bad guy. Yeah, you know? and I think like one of the things I'd like in the to see in the movie is Superman understanding that whilst he can't save everybody, mm -hmm. that he can inspire other people to save themselves. Yes. That's kind of the idea of Superman. He can't save everybody, but he can inspire everybody else to be yes. the best version of themselves. Yes, and that's like, something that I, I hope that they would include in this too. Yeah, um, and if it's kind of if it's like some kind of mind control that Brainiac has, you could get them to focus on on some. You could like you could get the I don't know. There could be some way of some story way of telling a story where human beings kind of help save themselves as well as Superman saving them. Like Superman does like the heavy lifting kind of thing, yeah. but, um, but they do a bit of it themselves. Um, yeah. Kind of, kind of like by the end of it, like, like everyone was duped by Brainiac in the beginning. And then by the end, they realized that that was all, you know, a lie and they were misinformed and Superman, you know, whatever. Like, there is a way to kind of have everyone go through that arc too. Or at first yeah. we're all divided by the misinformation. I mean, you see, my mind instantly goes to like, what if Lex Luthor is running for president? And he hires yeah. the Brainiac type of thing to create the misinformation campaign that's going to get him elected, you know, and Superman ultimately is able to reveal to the world what was really going on. And, you know, people yeah. start uniting against the divider, you know, against like the person who wants your hate. Right. And I Actually, if Lex Luthor is in the movie, I would recast it as well. Oh, yeah. You would do away with Eisenberg. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that that version. It's not. I'm not, I'm a fan of Eisenberg as an actor, but I'm not yeah. a fan of that version of Lex Luthor. That's not mm -hmm. like. I mean, to be honest, like I'm I'm in completely in love with Michael Rosenbaum's Lex Luthor. I, yeah. I love. Rosenbaum. He was great. He was great. Like, he he would still be great as Lex Luthor now. Like I mean, he could he could play an older Lex Luthor now. Like he'd be great. But yeah, um, that's the kind of Lex Luthor that I want to see, rather than a kind of mad scientist kind like of the tech geek. Uh, yeah. I yeah, gotcha. you know, businessman who's also like a genius as well because he's mm -hmm. got smart, isn't he? So, yeah, yeah. But, but him for president as a kind of backstory would be an interesting take on it as well. Yeah. yeah. But I love what you said, though, about him inspiring people, right? Because he can't be there for everyone. That's the thing with Superman. Yes, he has the powers and abilities to solve just about any problem out there, right? But he can't be everywhere at once. And really, he shouldn't be. You know, one of the big... Uh, mission objectives of him being on earth that even you know russell crowe's jor-el brings up in man of steel is this idea of being a symbol of hope that human beings will stumble and they will fall but they one day they will join you in the sun and this idea mm -hmm. of you know krypton went to hell because of pride and hubris and ignorance and krypton ultimately destroyed itself and hopefully you kal-el can you know prevent earth from suffering the same fate so having a, a sequel where we really finally get to see the 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 fulfillment of that promise right because man of steel there's a lot of lip service about the hope he'll inspire and the symbol of hope but unfortunately in that movie we get very little of it we get you know, a tiny bit where like jenny says he saved us and there's a few people who you know but like Overall, yeah. since we go straight into Batman versus Superman, it goes right into like serial tragic territory where, yes, yeah. there are people who love him, but there's a lot of people who hate him and he looks awfully upset about it. Like we never got to actually experience the joy and the love of Superman before he was, you know, uh, 
killed off in the second movie in his yeah, chapter in exactly. his story. Yeah. So having a sequel where now we put that to the test, where now we actually see how he's able to inspire people to change their minds through his actions, not just by saving people all the time, but by actually yeah. the things he says, the things he, the things he does, the meaning of the things that he does and inspiring others. I think that's, um, yeah, that would be great to see. Yeah, it would. And I, I think one of the things they, they have to make sure that with this Superman is that he, like, if it is a sequel to Man of Steel, he has to learn from what happened in Man of Steel, as in, like, I am not going to kill anyone ever again. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, I didn't think that well, that was the right thing to do in that story anyway, but, mm -hmm. like... But now that um, they've done it, yeah. Now they've done it, you can have that as, like, a, I'm never going to do that again, ever. Yeah, make it matter. matter. Make it right. really count. Um, yeah. I mean, by the way, that would be a great little thing you could put in a Superman Black Adam movie and, like, contrast Black Adam. Yeah. With, like, I, you kill people, I save people, kind of thing. Yeah. But that's for that movie. That's not for this this movie. But um, I yeah, actually think you could handle. I like Sorry. I want to. Yeah. I want to see like the the Superman that saves people. You know, and yeah. that kind of and doesn't and chooses not to kill people and takes the destruction and violence away from people where people are. That kind of Superman. Yeah. You know, and um, and that's why I think. By the way, I think it's kind of smart that we don't go directly into a Superman solo. I think whatever he's doing with Black Adam should happen. I think he's going to factor in into a Sasha Kale Supergirl movie. I think they're going to set that up. I've kind of heard rumors and whispers from people who I tend to mm -hmm. trust that he's going to play some sort of mentor figure to Supergirl in her movie. Mm -hmm. I think all of that is really smart because I feel like with Black Adam, with Supergirl, with The Flash... You could have Henry Superman reintroduced and specifically in the Supergirl movie where he's teaching a young hero how to be a hero. You can use that to sort of address his journey as a hero. He can address what happened in Man of Steel in dialogue or in action and talking to her and impart some of the lessons he's learned along the way. Because, like, Let's say that his movie is not day two, right? Because Man of Steel is day one. And we, if they were to just retcon it, and go from Man of Steel, you know, then, you know, that's one way to go. And that's one way we discussed a few minutes ago. But now let's say they do want to acknowledge the time that's passed because it has been almost 10 years since Man of Steel. Oh, um, yeah. So if they want to acknowledge that time has passed and certain thing he has gone on a quite a ride so far then in his scenes with Supergirl while he's training and mentoring her, you know, he could make references to things and kind of show her the lessons he learned along the way, you know? And in a way, not only will it be an endearing form of him to see on screen, but I feel like it'll soften his image for fans who haven't embraced him, right? Because there are fans who I feel like, you know, they were so put off by BVS and Justice League and they associate him with the Zack Snyder-verse that having a few opportunities through Supergirl and Flash and whatnot to sort of like rehabilitate his image, soften him a little bit, show what he's learned, an older, wiser, more hopeful and confident Superman. I feel like that would have sort of set the stage now mm. for his yeah. solo movie again. You know, yeah. let people see, ah, this is who he's become. And I love this guy. Now let's see his movie. You know? Yeah, I, I like that. I love the idea of him mentoring Supergirl. I, I yeah. love that. That is, uh, I've actually I've had that idea before that yeah. he, could, he could do that a little bit like Tony Stark did with Spider Man in, in Homecoming. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, 
saying like, you know, I, I made this mistake. I did that. This is, this, this, you don't mm-hmm. need to make that mistake, right? Uh, yeah. All that kind of thing. And, and they, that kind of shows his character development without yeah. him having to do it in his own movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I know. <laughs> it's right. In his own movie, they didn't do it, but maybe here they could. But yeah. also too, like, I feel like there's a psychological effect too on the audience. When you see the main character inspired by and loving a, another character in the movie, a mentor type figure, the audience sees them the way the protagonist sees them, right? So if you make him a hero to Supergirl and the script really plays that up, I think it helps the audience view him as like, man, he really is Superman. I love this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's been gone for five years now. You know, he's been, you know, like, like I said, I'm not sure that he's been accepted by the full mainstream. But in a movie like Supergirl, where now he's leaned upon as this inspirational figure, I feel like after two hours with that Superman, it's going to help, you know, seal the deal and and sort of like warm everyone up for his next story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah, absolutely agree. And yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. We're going to get all this Superman in movies. It's going to be. I know. Great. Um, now, let me ask, though. About the music issue, right? Because there's like controversy. There's yeah. controversy. I know. And by the way, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I and I should have some more information soon because screenings are happening. And while I'm not attending just yet, I have little birds out there. I'm gonna find out if they did in fact go with the Williams theme as opposed to the Zimmer theme. And since I've got you here, I want to ask you what you think of that. Is it going to be strange for you? to see Henry Cavill Superman on the big screen, but with the Williams melody playing beneath him. I don't know. I I love the, <laughs> William, I love the Williams theme and I love yeah. the Zimmer theme as well. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think like I would be open to like whatever they decide to do, yeah. I'm going to yeah. enjoy it anyway, right? Because it's Superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I think there's a way you could like. I think somebody suggested that in the this thing, think Star Trek do this where they yep. kind of amalgamate different themes into one theme. Like you could, and I think I actually saw like a homemade trailer on Twitter or something that somebody had made where they did that and it kind of worked and they yeah, kind yeah. of melded them together. So it wasn't too much of one or too much of the other, but it was kind of a combo. Yeah. Um, like, but. Um, I think there's elements of the Williams theme, not just like the main theme, but the other the other music. Yeah. Which you could definitely integrate into a soundtrack for Superman. Mm-hmm. I think like we don't I don't think you need I don't think we should use like the whole Williams soundtrack just en masse. Yeah, kind of like, like Superman that, Returns did. Really all, yeah. But you can definitely nod nod to it and like almost pay tribute to it, um, acknowledge yeah. it in different places. Um, but I think you need to use the Zimmer, Zimmer uh, theme, like as well. Yeah, and, and you can you can you can create something new with mm-hmm. both of them in a way. Yeah. I think it does. It does have to be an element. Of, it has to be something different than it than we've than we've seen. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to be like a complete break. As in, well, like, yeah, and, and... recognizably Superman. Yeah, but it's also a little bit fresh as well. If yeah. that makes sense. 
Well, and, and flesh out what you said, though, regarding the suggestion about Star Trek, because I saw that, too. I believe it was Stargazer. I believe that was Claudia Balboa uh, who suggested that. And uh, I think it's a brilliant way to approach it, because Star Trek, when J.J. Abrams rebooted it back in 2009 or 2008, he did something really kind of unique with that movie and the series of movies, where in an age where Hollywood was all about, like, the hard reboots, where you start a new movie and act like the other ones never happened and forget about those actors and forget about that continuity. Um, the Abrams Star Trek reboot, uh, it launched itself in the context of all that other Star Trek stuff still happened. But now we're just, we branched off using sci-fi reasons into an alternate timeline. And now we're watching these characters, you know, they're new, but we're not erasing what happened. Everything you loved happened. Look, Leonard Nimoy is even still here, but this is a new version of Spock, right? It was a very smart way of yeah, rebooting where like, we're going to reintroduce the characters, but we're not throwing out what happened beforehand. You know, with Man of Steel, they were throwing out what happened beforehand. So it really wouldn't have made sense to use John Williams. Even when, like with Batman Begins back in the day with Nolan, that was, you know, they were acting like those Burton movies with Michael Keaton and all that never happened. So again, it made sense to give him his own melody. But now through what's going to happen in The Flash, they seem to be doing like, the reboot where everything still exists because they're using the multiverse. It's kind of like what happened with Star Trek, where with the yeah. Flash, they're they're going to acknowledge that everything DC that you've ever seen has happened. So Christopher Reeve is out there. Michael Keaton is out there. Maybe Adam West is out there. You know, with the Flash, they're going to establish that. So with that in mind, it would make sense then for a Superman movie post the Flash to include music from all iterations of Superman, just like they did with Star Trek. Because with Star Trek, you know, Michael Giacchino, he had his original melodies in there, but he found ways to bring in the next generation and bring in the original theme song because it was more like, you know, it just, it built on the legacy of everything that had come before. It wasn't just a clean break. So this is all to say that using the Star Trek logic I think you could make a Superman movie that has room for the Zimmer music, the Williams music, maybe even an, a, a, an homage or, or a nod to the uh, George Reeves melody, you know, but like, why not? It, it, yeah. The more the merrier, honor the character, fit it all in. It's no longer a forget about everything that came before hard reboot and more a celebration of this character and the fact that there have been many versions of him, but this is the one we're following now. Absolutely you know? agree, one hundred percent. Yeah. So that yeah, that's kind of like my final thing about the music. There, I'm just curious, uh, James. What if there were like a writer or a director that you could hire to work on the next solo Superman? What's like? What's a name or a few names that jumps out at you? Wow, this is, this is such a difficult <laughs> one because yeah. there's probably names out there that I don't know of that would be brilliant. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and I, I, I want a director who understands the character, mm -hmm. who maybe has a love for the character, has a vision for the character, and who can tell a good story. Not just like, not just a, like, I mean, Zack Snyder can tell a good visual story, but yeah. 
his actual writing wasn't so great. Um, so, like, uh, yeah, you know, um, they this, have to have the balance, right, of the spectacle like, yeah, I, and I, the emotion. Yeah, yeah. there's not like I, I, this won't happen. Yeah, um, but there's a part of me that would love to see Dennis Villeneuve do. Oh, interesting. It's, yeah, he's a good visual storyteller, and he's a good storyteller. Period. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Two franchises where they've had movies before, like. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He did the Blade Runner. And, he did Dune. Yeah, and he and he and he's understood the the history of those characters and those universes and written good stories. So yeah, um, so he'd be able to do all the visual stuff that you need for Superman. Like one of the one of the characters in a Superman movie is special effects. That's just. Uh, yeah. Like because he he's flying around he's you know he's you know he's 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 fighting he's fighting villains in the sky all this kind of thing like he, he special effects are absolutely needed for a Superman movie um, yeah so you could do that and but also he could tell a good story and um so he, he would be fantastic but I mean that's not going to yeah. happen doing he's doing Dune part two and maybe in a part three, I think as well. So yeah. he won't be around to do a to do a Superman movie, I'm sure. But um, I'm sure there's well, other directors as well. Um, yeah, I was going to say, well, we're mentioning director who would never do, but who I think would have the chops. You know, I've always said, again, not going to happen. But if like if Steven Spielberg got his hands on Superman, I think he'd make a very special movie, right? Like it's one oh, of those things. Yeah. It's like it'll never yeah. happen. Never but happens, he's, but he's got that. He would get hand. it because yeah, he makes he hopeful movies, doesn't he? He makes yeah. hopeful yeah. movies. It would have so the spectacle, yeah, it would have the effects, it would have all the larger than life trappings, but you'd probably end up choked up or crying at a certain point because he knows yes. how to find that sweet spot. I know, yeah, and it's hard finding a director at the sweet spot. <laughs> And he likes making movies about aliens as well. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. See, I feel like we <laughs> missed our boat there. Where was he in the early 2000s when they were trying to bring Superman back? You know, he could have done this 20 years ago. Come on, Stephen. Um, yeah, there's another guy, actually. Um, the guy that directed Kingsman. I can't remember what his name is. Matthew Vaughn. Matthew yes, Vaughn. He's, yeah, he's, he's another one who wants making that. a Superman movie before. And yeah. He said how much he loves the character and how much he loves the original Superman movies, the 1978 yeah. movies. You know, like... Yeah. I would like to make a Superman movie like that with that kind of tone. Yeah. yeah. Like, so he's a name you could think about. Um, Maybe, and then mine is going to sound very sort of cliche because it, it did come up and there was a time when fans were already like fan casting it and thinking about it. But I would with Christopher McQuarrie and look, since he's worked with oh, yeah. Henry and he seemed to want to tell Superman story. Macquarie is another one where I feel like if you look at his last few Mission Impossible movies, they have the action, they have the stakes, they have the stuff, you know, the pulse pounding spectacle of it all. Yeah. But you're also very invested in Ethan Hawke and in his, you know, the, 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 I mean, Ethan Hunt, I should say. Uh, you know, you're, you're invested in the lead characters and in the stakes of the story and the emotional yeah. beats. So I feel like Macquarie's kind of got that also, you know, maybe not, yeah. he's not, um, not putting him in Spielberg tier, but he knows how to balance the two, you know, and he yeah, seems. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Mission Impossible movies that he's made. I, I yeah. yeah. He tells a really good story, and he does character he does. well, and he does, but he does all the visual stuff that 
really well, and he's worked with Henry Cavill before. So, and he's uh, simpatico um, with uh, Abrams. Abrams produced those movies, and they know yeah, each other. And yeah, Abrams is there yeah, at the studio too, yeah. so Abrams well, could still be producing. You know, who knows? Yeah. You know, when he's when he's finished with Mission Impossible, he's only got he's got one more Mission Impossible to make. Then he then he's free. So he's you know. free. And by that time, Henry would have shown up in Black Adam, in The Flash, in Supergirl, and would be just about ready now for that solo film. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah, just saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, would, I, would be, I would support that. And I think yeah. he would understand the character as well. Like, as, I don't think he'd be a... He, he, would, get, he would get it. I think he, get, he would get it. Yeah. 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 Um, and I'm just going to... I'm going to just leave you with one last question. Um. Why do you think it's important for there to be a good Superman movie out in, in, in the current day? I think, and I've thought this for ages, but I think we need Superman. I think yeah. we, we, we always need Superman because the world is, especially at the moment, is a very painful, difficult place to live in. It, there is yeah. so much conflict, so much cynicism. So much of a lack of hope uh, in the world, and yeah, um, we we kind of losing faith in ourselves. And uh, Superman is meant to be a character that, like I mentioned earlier, like he he can't save all of us, but he can inspire us all to be the best version of ourselves. And he sees and, the best and in us. Make us believe that a better world is possible, and that we can yeah. make that world, and that. That, not, that, that nobody is beyond saving and nothing is beyond saving. And that the world could use that right about now. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And that we need, and that we all need a friend. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so we don't so, just need him as a fictional symbol of hope to be citizens of a movie world. We need him as a symbol of hope in our popular culture of a hero that unites us and that there is a way for us to come together and achieve wonders. Absolutely, yeah. And I yeah. I mean like the original Superman movie, 1978, which we both love. Yeah. That came out at a time where it had been very difficult. I think in America especially, because it was just after Watergate in the 1970s oh, yeah. it was a very difficult time and everything. And then you had Star Wars, which came out, which was a really hopeful movie, and then Superman the movie came out. Which again was this really hopeful movie, um, yeah, and it and people were connected with it because they were desperate for hope, and yeah. I think made a great Superman movie with the right kind of Superman. I'm so glad you said that too, by the way, because that's something that people like, you know, when they talk about the Reeve movies and then they talk about the '70s, they act like it was just this corny, everything colorful, jaunty sort of time, and it's like no. The United States in the mid to late 70s, things were chaotic and stressful. You know, there were the, there were already culture wars. There was already, you know, we were recovering from the Vietnam War and Watergate and, you know, mm -hmm. all the civil yeah. unrest. You know, things were not great. So Superman, the movie, wasn't like a symbol of its time. It was kind of an antidote to its times. It was a great escape. It gave people... Uh, amidst a dark period in American history, something to smile about and 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 galvanize around. You know, people just uh, kind of like, oh, the 70s, things were so much easier back then. So that's why it's such a, you know, goofy, colorful Superman. It's like, no, that's not what was going on. 
Mm, and I'm right with you that we're not far from that today. So having having a symbol for hope back in the uh, front and center would be pretty damn amazing. Absolutely, yeah, it would. And yeah, making yeah. it front and center is it, that's it. He has to be the center of the DC universe. That's uh, another thing too. Yeah, not just a bit player. Like, yeah, and Dwayne Johnson sounds like he wants to do that. He's like, he's been on the sidelines too long. He needs to be like the front and center of everything. And yeah. like what you're building around, like because a great yeah. Superman yeah. movie will be a huge success. Like yeah. if it's a great Superman movie, if it embodies the character, if it tells a good story, I think people connect with that. And amen to that. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Well, James, it's been amazing having you on. Why don't you tell people how they could find you on Twitter and uh, tell them a little about your show and when it comes out. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm James Prescott uh, 77. Um, and that's one S, two Ts. Um, yeah, my podcast is called Poema, which is poem. It's spelled poem, with, but it's got an A on the end. It's kind of from a Greek word about creativity and identity and everything. Um, on that show, I talk about mental health. I talk about spirituality. I talk about pop culture. I talk about movies. Um, we explore story and the power of story um, and grief. Um, I've talked a lot about um, different movies and how they explore grief and the characters' journeys and story arcs, including Superman um, yeah. and Batman as well, I think. Um, and so we do a lot of that as well. And yeah, it comes out every week. It's on um, all the pop podcast platforms. There's about there's over 300 episodes now, so there's plenty there. Um, yeah, as you say, you were a guest on the show um, about yeah. a week ago, I think. I'll have to be on again soon. So that was a great episode. So yeah, I'd really love everyone to, to listen to that. Yeah. Well, James, thank you so much for, for coming on this week and for being my guest this week's Superman on film update. Here's hoping we get some amazing Superman stories announced very, very soon with Marie Cavill. Yes. Thank you for having <laughs> me on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, so welcome back. That was the Superman on film update. But you know what? There's still more to talk about because, Brett, there's still parts of this that I didn't get to fully unpack with James that sure, I want to do. Sure. So we, you know, we made reference in our conversation to the fact that Dwayne Johnson out on the press tour has been saying all kinds of interesting stuff, a lot of the right stuff. But I, I want to give you some actual quotes. The, these were printed in Variety. So this is oh. you know, this is in Variety that publication. Variety, yeah, not not comic book resources. Okay, cosmic so, book um, news. <laughs> When asked directly if he intends to make a movie where Black Adam fights Superman, Johnson replied, absolutely. That is the whole point of this, man. I've been saying for some time there's a new era in the DC universe that's about to begin. And what I meant by that was introducing a brand new character. It's not a sequel, not an existing IP. It was, you know, Black Adam. Two years ago, the world had no idea who he was. We did, but not the rest of the masses out there. What I really meant by this is a new era in the DC universe is listening to the fans and doing our best to give the fans what they want. I've been listening and I've been wanting to address fans for years. 
and he's uh, you know he's referring to the uh, the throwdown between Black Adam and Superman. Right. And he says, "I've been waiting for someone to step up and address the fans and say, "Hey, we hear you." And the whole goal and intention now is to do this new era, new time. Now let's build out. So. You know, when he to hear him talk about this stuff, you know, it's not just like the star of the movie hyping up his movie. We know he's a producer, but right. it really sounds like he's in great command of what's going on with this franchise and where it's going and how it's going to be operated. And it's interesting to think about The Rock stepping in as this sort of uber producer all of a sudden, right. because, you know. The underbelly of what James and I were gushing about. We were gushing about, you know, oh my God, this is so great. You know, he's he's going to make Superman popular again. And everyone's all abuzz about Black Adam and Superman and this and that. But the other side of this is, what if it sucks? What if, you know, like, we don't know. I haven't seen Black Adam yet. And yes, there have been some early uh, you know, results online. People have been posting right. some early bits of social media reaction. And there's been plenty of good, but there's also been some bad. I and even mix, in yeah. the good, and even in the good, they mention the bad. Like, it's one of those things where it's like nobody's, very few people are saying this is just an unbelievably amazing movie. But the the general thread so far is it's action packed, it's loads of fun. There's lots of great spectacle. The thing moves and moves and moves. It's got a great propulsive pace. It actually tells the story in about two hours. But that because of that pace, the story kind of gets short shrift, and some of the big character moments seem to fall kind of flat. Yeah. So in that way, it sounds like some of like what you fear when you think about a blockbuster action movie where it like, is this just going to be fast and furious? You know what I mean? Right. Where it's like, it's, it's explosions and it's cool characters and it's one liners and it's a feel, it's a vibe, but there's nothing there to sink your teeth into. And as soon as the right. credits roll, you're like, I'm good, you know? Yeah. So some of those early, you know, some of the early response gives me some pause, but also just in general, like I'm over here fanboying hardcore at the idea of the rock mapping out. Cause he's mentioned in other interviews, he's got like the next three or four movies in mind. Right. <laughs> and when Hiram Garcia, his producing partner speaks about it, they keep talking about how we're playing the long game. We're thinking yeah. big. And there's just a part of me that's like, on the one hand, I'm like so excited, but on the other hand, I'm like, please let me love Black Adam. Please let me love. Black yeah, Adam. I'm also like, just slow your roll, guys. Just let let me, yeah, let me watch Black Adam. But I mean, the things I'm reading and, and that we're hearing, it's like, yeah, this is kind of what I expected. I expected it to be fun, big popcorn film, a lot of action, a lot of fun moments. Um, you know, seeing the JSA would be super exciting. But I was yeah. I wasn't expecting it to really have like you know um, like a, a deep uh, you know plot or anything like that. So yeah, kind of what I expected. And that's um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think if if, if that's people's expectations, um, you know, going in because you know what I mean. I hate to say it because like listen, he's like the biggest movie star in the world. So what the fuck do I know? But like, yeah. this is kind of like a pattern with the Rocks movies. Like they, they I don't I don't think they really have too much substance. They're just kind of a lot of like spectacle and fun. But listen, that guy see, sells fucking tickets. He puts asses in seats. 
He gets people know, hyped. He's a, he's a he's a human hype machine. But you know? Brett, but that's what worries me. The yeah, it worries me a lot. It's <laughs> like because here's the thing: I'm all in favor of Black Adam essentially being another Aquaman type thing. Because I, I thought Aquaman yeah. also was like visually great. James Wan gave us yeah. lots to like you know, drool at yeah, and the great the moments. But desire. lots of cringy moments in the script, and lots of yeah, the story was a little. Meh. Uh, and like zero chemistry between Momoa and Herd, and she's eating flowers anyway, and playing a flute on a boat. I can't. That was the, by uh, the way, the funniest I thing can't. when she pulled out that flute. And that now that I never thought about it again until just now. And <laughs> Jesus flute. Christ, that was like, what the fuck are you doing? Who okayed this? Who okayed? I don't this? know. Yeah, yeah. So either way, so that's what I'm saying. But like, but I, I, I could take that. In a Black Adam type movie too. Let Black Adam be on the level of Aquaman. That's what, yeah. I, what I think Black yeah. Adam deserves. Made a billion but, dollars. But it, but if this is going to be the creative nucleus that's making Superman, that worries me. So I just hope, right. like, if he is, you know, let's say, you know, let's say Black Adam is a success. It is mostly like, let's say I do enjoy it for what it is. If I yeah. if I enjoy it an Aquaman level of enjoyment. Um, let's say all that happens, but will Johnson have the discipline and the ability to right. hire and delegate a director and a, and a writer for Superman that fits the type of movie Superman needs? Cause Superman needs a very different kind of movie than black. Adam yeah. does. Yeah. You know, inherently that character requires a different touch than a black Adam type of movie. So mm -hmm. I just hope Johnson, like if, if this is a hit, I don't, I hope Johnson is like, all right, so we need a Superman movie that's in the vein of this, you know, an action packed kind of, you know, yeah. blockbuster. Cause then we just get man of steel again. I mean, well that not even because man of steel had a lot of that, but it yeah. also had a lot of contemplative navel gazing that, you know, kind of whatever. Yeah. It's, either way. It, uh, yeah. It's, I just worry about that. So I guess you know, we're going to have to take things one step at a time, but I just kind of wanted to counteract that because when yeah. you hear the conversation between James and I, it's all optimism and it's all assuming that Black Adam will be enjoyable and assuming that we can trust The Rock's taste. Because that's the thing too. Black Adam is going to show us what The Rock considers to be a good product. Because this movie is one of those things where it's his baby. So yes, he may be right. the star of it, and he may just be a producer, but like he chose everything. He chose the director. He chose the direction. He chose the look and feel. You know, he has right. shepherded this thing from you know from you know, from start to finish. This is his baby. So when you sit there and watch this, you are looking at something that Dwayne Johnson said. Yes, that's it. That is my Black right. Adam movie. There's not going to be any buyer's remorse this time. There's not going to be a release the Dwayne Johnson cut. You know, this is the Dwayne Johnson cut of Black Adam. This is the movie he wants. He got delays. He did everything he could to like market market test the movie and edit it down and get it to be exactly the lean, mean, money printing galaxy starting machine he wants it to be. So we're going to sit and we're going to see what he likes and hope that we like it too. <laughs> because if this does hit, it, it seems like Warner Media or Warner Discovery is just going to open the vault and be like, all right, Rock, whatever you want to do, you know? 
So uh, that's just, you know, there's, there's things that give me pause about that. Um, if he doesn't rock bottom or people's elbow somebody in this movie, I am going <laughs> to, I'm going to shit all over it. Wow. Or all right. If he really wants to impress me, he'll Maya via hurricane, but I think he's too big to Maya via hurricane now. You I don't think you can do that, that move anymore. You've been talking about that Maya via hurricane. For Maya via hurricane is one of the you. greatest wrestling moves ever, ever performed. And actually, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, I keep, sensing these professional wrestling like metaphors and connections to the way the rock is doing things too. Cause all this stuff about listening to the fans and essentially saying like, even like with silly questions, like you think Marvel and DC will ever do a crossover. And he basically is, you know, says like anything can happen. All yeah. of that is Vince McMahon. One Oh one. All of that is how he was trained by wrestling. Yeah. Like it's you know, he totally is approaching this whole thing like he's booking WrestleMania. You know, I told you his main event is Superman, Black Adam, and now he's got to build the feud and the undercard and all that stuff. But yeah. so much of his verbiage, so much of his anything can happen. It's 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 pure wrestling 101. But also the way he's treating Superman, if the rumors are true, that in the yeah, I, I listen, I've seen it at this point. I know with the scene, but I'm gonna just continue to be vague here, okay? If the rumors are true that Superman will make that appearance at the end of Black Adam, uh, apparently there's a very strong likelihood that their suit will be somewhat modified from what we've seen, where the blues will be brighter, the reds will be more vibrant, the yellow will be more yellow. And Henry may very well have the quintessential Superman curl. Okay. Oh. So with that in mind, it also makes me feel like in wrestling, they understand this idea of repackaging. Because what happens is sometimes you debut a wrestler and they're out there for a while and the fans just don't take to them. Something is something's just not right. The character's not fitting. They're not right. connecting. You don't fire the guy. You don't, you know, in a lot of cases, if you still have faith in that guy and in that character, you repackage him. Maybe you give him a new character or maybe you right. update his look and you give him new music and you give him the, you know, an inspiration to walk out a little differently and find a little more of himself in there. And now you've essentially repackaged the character. And over the years, wrestling fans have gotten used to that. We've gotten used to like, oh, this guy who I love, I remember when he was this other failed character before he got big. And I remember, right, right. you know, like wrestling, wrestling fans have been pretty smart to that for years that sometimes the first or second iteration of a wrestler isn't going to work. It doesn't work out. But then finally they find it. And I feel like he's trying to repackage Superman in a way, you know, with the new colors and the new look. And, you know, and, and hopefully giving him a movie that has, you know, uh, 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 gives the character a new lease on life and is somewhat different from what's come before. Yeah. I view all this like a, a like a promoter repackaging their gimmick. Because funny thing is that even happened to The Rock. Do you know about that? This is going to get real. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, when remember. he first came out, he was not a runaway success. Not he at all. Need, he was not The Rock at first. He was Rocky Mayavia. And he wore this get up with like beads and it was like a tribal weird outfit. yeah and he was in 
there was like a stable. What was the stable? Well, that was, was later. Was... That was later. That's when that was he even later. But yeah. when he first came out, he was like this do good, jolly. Hi, everybody. My grandfather was a wrestler. My father was a wrestler. The announcer spoke about him like he was going to be the second coming of like you know yeah. Hulk Hogan. Like he's just he's got such a great pedigree, and he's you know he's the future. He's this. They pushed him so hard, and he was such like a jolly kiss the babies and high five the fans type of guy that the fans hated him they turned on him right away they booed him out of the building they started chanting rocky sucks and die rocky die like that's, crazy that's wrestling fans are intense okay and then he got injured and through the injury he like he came back with a bit of an attitude and as part of like a heel stable and in the heel stables where he started finding this new character, The Rock, and he was no longer Rocky Maivia, the baby-kissing nice guy. He was the arrogant The Rock, yeah. and uh, he found his groove. He found his thing. He got, you know. So in this particular case, I think he's hoping to repackage uh, Henry Cavill's Superman, and I'm all for it. Smart. It's but, smart. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because on top of that, too, it, it's what happened. You know, we've seen other evidence of repackaging. You know, they repackaged Thor, if you think about it, between Thor the Dark World and Thor Ragnarok. Very different look and feel. A thousand for percent. Yep. You know what I mean? They repackaged Aquaman. If you look at Aquaman as he was in like Zack Snyder's Justice League and in that scary glimpse in Batman versus Superman compared to what James Wan did with him. Again, with a different creative you know, brain behind everything. You put these characters in a new light and uh, it's pretty exciting. So yeah. that's why too, with Superman, like, you know, when we talk about where the rock could take things, I just want to put out there uh, where I think he's going with it. Cause they mentioned something about three or four movies. And as yeah. I look ahead at the release schedules and what's coming for DC on film, what I see happening is, we're going to get him in Black Adam. We're going to get him in Shazam. We're probably going to get him in The Flash. And then I don't know if you noticed this, but there is an untitled DC film that was quietly put into the schedule for fall yes. of 2023, a few months after The Flash comes out. Now, I think it could be Supergirl. Because I know that they've been quietly working on the Sasha Kale Supergirl project for a while. And I don't know, and maybe that went out the window with uh, Zaslav and Discovery taking over. Right. But I think there's a Supergirl movie coming out and that there's going to be a substantial role that's probably been added to it now of for Henry Cavill's Superman, where he'll be kind of like a mentor type to her in that. So that we're getting him in four different movies over the next year and a half is what I think. All sort of setting him up for either another solo or that Black Adam Superman Shazam showdown that seems to be coming down the pike. But I think I kind of see like that's the, the layout of the next couple yeah. of years of Superman. I don't Can think I we're getting a Henry. Go ahead. I was like, can I can I give a hot take? Yeah, um, it's not that hot, but I mean, like, honestly, if you're not going to give him a solo movie in there, I don't even I, like. What's the point? Like, I don't uh, need to just see him cameo in four movies in the next year and a half, and then just go into a <laughs> Superman versus Black Adam. Like, we just did Batman versus Superman, and look how that turned out. 
and you're just going to go right into that. I, I mean, like, I want a solo movie with him. And I, I almost you know wish, what? like, I know we can't yeah. because of the release schedule, but I wish that would come first before any of this shit, before you, you start integrating him into Black Adam. But This is a perfect segue. Let's talk about this further, and let's bring in a listener email about this very topic. Yeah, we'll kind sure, of break sure. this open. So, Oshri, our man Oshri, has sent us an email. Mario and Brett, going to keep this short and sweet. With the recent Superman news, social media has been buzzing a bit about a Superman versus Black Adam movie. I hope that's not the case, at least for the while. Uh, Henry Cavill deserves a true Man of Steel 2, not another versus movie. Soup's fight with Black Adam should be built up at least over a couple of movies. Looking back from Captain America Civil War, the breakup between Cap and Tony took time. The tension between them built up until it led to civil war, something that wasn't done between Soups and Batman, a fight that felt a bit rushed, especially in the theatrical release movie. But hey, what do I know? Either way, I can't wait to finally see our Boy Scout back in action. Welcome home, your, fi- your fan, literally, from the garage, Oshri. Yes. Oshri, by the yep, way, he's in a, he's got an awesome kick-ass garage in Brooklyn. He'll mod your car and make it look like Kit from Knight Rider. So, okay. <laughs> so, Oshri wants to – he, for one, is not down. He seems to be on the same side as you. He's, he's, he's not smart. Down he's a very smart movie. man. He doesn't want <laughs> Superman versus Black Adam before we've even had a Man of Steel sequel. But here's my side of that. I actually think this can work if you carefully use these appearances to rehabilitate his appearance, his image in the public. Use this time to get people to fall in love with him. Now, that won't that'll be hard to do in quick cameos. But in Supergirl, with him as an older mentor type teaching her what it means to be a hero and her looking to him at, for inspiration and him being that inspiration. He, imagine a movie where he's constantly that Superman you love from the beginning of Justice League, which everyone hates you for loving. But, you know, what? it's fucking good and you're wrong. If but you if agree. you get that kind of warm you know, sagely, wise, powerful Superman. I think it gives the public a chance to, like, love this guy. And I think the Black Adam fight sort of sells itself, especially this whole movie for Black Adam seems to be set on this whole thing about how he will kill, he will cross that invisible line. In fact, my theory is that that's why Dr. Fate woke him because you get the sense from some of the commercials that it's actually dr fate who woke him from that five thousand year sleep mm-hmm. and i think it's because he wants someone who will kill that demon and he knows no one else will you know but either right. way th- th- there seems to be a running theme about black adam being willing to kill while others aren't and when you have that like it there is a natural immediate conflict there for superman with batman versus superman you needed the slow burn because it's a human versus a demigod and they're both heroic from the outset and the audience knows that from the outset but if black adam establishes that he can be villainous and that he could do things that are really treacherous and horrible and depending on how the story in this movie ends you know there's going to be a very immediate reason for superman to have to intervene 
You know what I mean? It's not going right. to be like, oh, let's talk this through. Like Black Adam, I believe, is going to be killing some people already. So he's already going to be in a hole by the time Superman meets him. So there's right. not going to be a lot of time to like, now let's slowly, gradually let this simmer. You have a demigod that kills people right. and is fueled by revenge instead of justice. Superman is going to have something quick and efficient to say about that. Well, here's the thing, though. Like, I, I know you said, like, okay, like it's going to be hard to reintroduce uh, Cavill as Superman through the cameos, but maybe in the Supergirl movie. But it's like... So I, I don't want to see him in like a mentor role yet. Like I haven't really, he dude, motherfucker's been on like three adventures, bro. <laughs> like he, he fought Zod. He did. He, he yeah. uh, fought Doomsday he died. And, and died. <laughs> he didn't even do good in his second fight. He died. Okay. And then in the third movie, he had I love the fight. you. Love you kicking him while he's down. He didn't even do good. He didn't even do he well. Died. He died. And then he comes back and he fights big metal Steppenwolf man and you know whatever he punched him a few times and that was and that was it. You know he like, like yeah. Wonder Woman chopped his head off like she really did him in, you know what I mean? Like she came in and just was like yeah. no more head for you. You don't need that anymore. And <laughs> and like so like and then he's like already going to be mentoring and he's got like now he's got to like deal with her with Supergirl. Like, you know, she's she's getting in the way of him trying to, like, I want to see him have, like, another, like, adventure and build himself up and, like, be the Superman he wants to be. And then we can have him start mentoring people. Like, dude needs a few I, more adventures. Yeah. Needs a few I, more adventures. I, but, but, but for better or worse, we're not going to get it. What are they going to do? They're going to present this conflict right now. Next week in Black Adam, they're going to present this conflict. But what they're going to say, but now wait like four years to see it. And we're going to show you a movie that seemingly takes place before Black Adam. So you could catch up with where this Superman has been all this time. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it throws off the momentum here. People are going to be hot for this confrontation right after Black Adam. So I'm okay with them giving us that. Once you establish that he is the classic Superman that most people can just close their eyes and imagine who he is, establish right. that he's that. Give me Black Adam versus that guy, but make it a story. It just sucks because they already did this with Batman versus Superman. But make it a story where ultimately they, they end up working together because it doesn't look like Dwayne Johnson wants him to be a villain that gets killed off by Superman. The idea is to make him another one of the heroes in the mix here. So they're not going to fight to the death. So have them have whatever right. their confrontation is. Well, let's get let's get that out of the way pretty damn quick and get to a story that involves Black Adam, Shazam, and Superman doing right. stuff together. Because that's the but missing piece here too. Hang on, yeah. I, I gotta say this because the okay. missing piece here is Black Adam is all about Superman, Superman, Superman. Bro, you're playing Shazam's top villain. OK, you got to show my boy Shazam some love here. OK, the original Captain Marvel. Yes. Well, that's okay? the thing I wanted to say too. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So that's why for me, I hope it's not. I, I actually do agree. I hope it's not Black Adam versus Superman. I hope that fight happens. But I hope the actual movie is more of a Black Adam, Superman, Shazam story. And remember, we don't know what's happening in Fury of the Gods and what potential connections they might be making there. Because right. Dwayne Johnson produced that one also. Remember, he also ah. produced the first Shazam. So this right. is all within the same, you know, the, the Shazam The Black Adam universe. The Shazam yeah. universe. You know? So, you know, I just, I think... I think we, we we get through Supergirl with those appearances I mentioned. We get to a movie that 
satisfies now that throwdown that people seem to want to see between Superman and Black Adam. You work Shazam in there, give him a nice little shine. And now have Shazam and Black Adam be the two that continue to be linked together. And after this movie, now we can focus on Superman. And now is where you could tell a story that's just about Superman, you know? So I'm kind of okay waiting till like 2025 for that movie to happen. But uh, I understand you and Oshri and others are probably like, no, I don't want to see all this other stuff before I get to actually have another Isn't movie with this. Ridiculous that Superman has to <laughs> wait for Black Adam and all his bullshit before we can get a Superman movie. Like it's Superman. <laughs> Why is he playing second fiddle to Black Adam and cameos like Cameo Boy? Like I just feel like yo, show put some spec on that name, man. But look, but 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 listen, but you gotta understand, we weren't gonna get any of this. You know what I mean? This I is get all it. I get like it. The new plans. listen. I'm happy to have Cavill retrofit. Back. Yeah, I'm happy now to they have, have to retrofit back. Superman into their plans. He but was I don't not like the way it's part happening. of the plans under Hamada. Nah, I, I like know, it. but at this point, a lot of these horses have left the stable. A lot of these trains have left the station. How whichever weird old timey metaphor yeah. you want to go with, you know, uh, they 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 now have to retrofit Superman into their plans as opposed to building it around him like they probably yeah. should. You have know what? I, I don't care. When's the Batman two coming out? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, do you think? I don't know. Now that DC is going back to the shared universe concept pretty hard. How annoyed do you think they are about the outlier of the Batman? I know we've discussed this before, but I'm like, They're even probably... now, now that it's becoming more and more prevalent that they want to make a shared universe, having this Batman world that is totally insulated, that's got to suck, don't you think? I mean, I guess so, but I feel like the movie was so critically well-received and it did pretty well that, like, it gave, it gave I think it gave a lot of goodwill back to the, the Warner Brothers. In it my did, opinion, but I just wonder, like, I wonder I get if it, the dude. lasting effects were what they hoped to. Because at the end of the day, like, I don't know. To me, I guess to me, it wasn't enough of a departure. It's going to be sacrilegious. My hot take of the week. But for me, the Batman was not enough of a departure from the Nolan films to stand on its own as this jaw-dropping creative vision we have to follow right now. Well, you, sir, are a piece of trash. I'm sorry. To me, like, it feels like the little brother of the Dark Knight trilogy in a way. You know, a lot of I mean, I I can understand that, I guess, yeah. Like, I I, I, I guess. I don't. Had it been like a breathtaking, brand new, jaw-dropping approach to the material that felt like a comic book come to life in a world where Killer Croc could exist and Clayface is running amok. Like, that might have been more, like, justified. You know what? Okay, you know what? Let's see where this goes. This is such a unique animal. But this feels to me more like, all right, we've kind of seen this already, but it's the Dark Knight by way of Seven. Okay, yeah. cool. You know, so that's my only thing. With the Batman, yeah. like if, if I'm the new regime stepping into Warner Brothers Discovery and I've been tapped to be part of that team who's coming up with a 10-year plan, I'm pretty annoyed that I can make Batman, I, I can make Superman movies and Wonder Man movies and Flash and Aquaman yeah. and Shazam and Black Adam. But Batman, who's this holy grail character, he just, I can't really touch him. You know, I, it's yeah. because, 
You know what I mean? Because of decisions made by three right. bosses ago. You know what I mean? Three, but, like it's not even the most recent boss who made this call. What about so, all this, you know, you know the, uh, the Batfleck nonsense that we've been talking about? Like, I mean, it, it, what if he's going to be rolled back into the mix in more of a way I than mean, we thought? And they just yeah. keep that. And then we have like the, the Joker's its own thing. The Batman's its own thing. And like, like I said, if they would just call it this, if they would just call it this and do the black label and just say, yeah, the Batman is part of the DC black label Joker's. Be, and then, and then this is the main DC EU. The E, the E doesn't need to be there. By the way, yeah. David Zaslav, the E doesn't need <laughs> to be there. Okay. Well, remember that was not an official name. That was an entertainment weekly writer who gave it that. And it just stuck. All right. Yeah, well, That's they a, need to say. Something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, w w with 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 Batman there being an outlier, I just I, I you got to think that that sucks. But uh, hey, let's get into our next listener question. OK. Yes. So this one came in from Kyle Lainan. Lainan. Uh Hello, gents. Is Dwayne Johnson currently the Kevin Feige of the DCEU? Seems like he is running the show. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, Kyle, it's what we're talking about here tonight, yeah. where it just seems like he's already kind of in the driver's seat. And if this Black Adam movie really does hit, you know, he's going to have uh, the, yeah. they're going to give him a blank check. They're going to let him do an awful lot. And we just got to hope that we're okay with that. We just yeah. got to hope well, that I mean his, you know. <laughs> not for nothing he he's a, listen the rock's a very busy guy like so in no way is he gonna really be the kevin feige where he's like picking which movies like go into each other and like linking all the timelines like he's he doesn't have the time for that like i guarantee it but is he gonna have a lot of influence and pull and uh, yeah absolutely especially if this does well um you know they're gonna they're gonna he, he's like like i said he's like i think he's legit like the biggest movie star in the world right now right yeah like he he is no, the no, guy it's so. like it's him and tom cruise that's it but like he's not gonna be you know, orchestrating it in the way that feige you know like does it you know what i mean um no I wish, so by I the way, I wish you watched is... She-Hulk. I wish you watched the She-Hulk finale because, oh, oh my God, I have so it. many fun things that I could say yeah. right now and reference, but I don't want to spoil it for people because it just came out. So I'll, we'll wait till yeah. next week. Maybe you can watch it at some point. I don't know. Yeah. But Kyle, you know, you're not the only one asking that. There are people asking him, you know, since, since it is like an open discussion within Hollywood that Warner Brothers Discovery is in search of a Kevin Feige type of mega producer to oversee their DC universe. Uh, he's been asked, would you like the job? And he's basically in, in as many, not so many words said that he doesn't want the job, but that he could consider himself being like a good advisor. Because yeah. he does care so much for about this and he bleeds DC and all this, this and that. So, you know, so that, that gives me some some pause too. at least he he wouldn't even want to take that on. So that's good. Keep him as an advisor because yeah. I still want someone. Anyway, I just I, th that gives me some pause. And I, I wanted to circle back to something you said a minute ago. Brett, because you brought up the idea of Affleck being back. And yeah. just to kind of update what I've heard on that front, because we, we've been discussing that in recent episodes, where not only does it seem like Henry's coming back, but that Affleck's coming back. And yeah, what I wanted to say about that is, you're so funny, backflip. For those <laughs> of you watching cool. on uh, YouTube, Brett is just, he's so sharp and clever with the banners. I'm on fire you know? today. I'm on fire. But uh, when it comes to backflip, I hear <laughs> that it really is just like a limited return. 
something having to do with the Flash, something having to do with Aquaman, but that at the end of the day, Michael Keaton will be the Batman that sticks around for future DCU type stuff. So apparently that has not been scrapped. Remember we were talking about like, oh, well, with Batgirl getting canned and with Affleck reshooting the Batman cameo in Aquaman. Wow. Um, you know, we've been discussing whether or not he's going to come back full time and Keaton is going to disappear. But by all accounts, from other scoopers, from other people whose opinions on this I trust, the Affleck thing is a limited engagement, and Michael Keaton's Batman will be around for the foreseeable future, even past The Flash. Wow. All right, well, <laughs> Brett's about to be fired for his banners. Those, by All we... three of those were fire, okay? Don't even give me oh, those yeah. shit. All yeah, right. that's great. Okay, now we're going to go to our next emailed in question from Eugene Tan. What are the chances of future DC live action movies focusing more on anti-hero characters? If the upcoming Black Adam movie is a huge success, could this leave the door open for more DC live action movies where the anti-heroes are the main characters? It will be amazing to see a DC live action movie where Slade Wilson Deathstroke is the main character. All right, Eugene, I'm going to I'm going to just jump at this one right off Do the it. bat. Yes, I think that if Black Adam is a hit, Warner Brothers Discovery would be foolish to not look into other anti-hero and villain type characters because if Black Adam hits at a time when the Joker movie made a billion dollars and is about to get a sequel you know and the suicide squad like they've already established that they like playing the anti-hero card yeah and birds of Joker prey right the it did, yeah, birds of prey card. although with birds of prey you know the box office didn't quite give them a mandate to make more of this. right that's true. but you know but they've already shown a willingness to do this and i feel like if black adam hits I absolutely think it's going to open the door for more things like this. Personally, I hope it reactivates their desire for the Legion of Doom. Because if you'll recall in 2017, when the regime came, the, the, the new regime stepped in, st stepped in and took over Justice League, uh, one of the things that they were trying to you know, steer the franchise towards was away from the dark side invasion and towards a Justice League versus Legion right. of Doom movie. They were going to totally do a thing where, you know, and they set it up at the end of Justice League, the theatrical cut, but they were going to continue to have all the villains survive. You notice how Black Manta survived Aquaman and stuff. You right. Know? Like they were going to, they were in the background going to set up that all the villains were going to get together and that a Justice League 2 would have been JL versus uh, the Legion people. of Doom. Yeah, the Legion of Doom. So it, Listen, if you're trying to differentiate yourself from Marvel and say we're not just here to copy their formula, but we want to bring something that's got some interesting edge and something different to the marketplace, that's something that you can do right there by having by having movies that are based on darker villainous characters, you know. And I'm sure. with you on stroke. I even hope it's, you know, Joe Manganello. You know, I know that he yeah. was working on some Deathstroke origin story, and they even had the director from uh, The Raid 
And, you know, it sounded like that was going to be pretty cool, but then it fell apart under the previous regime. If they find a way to bring that back somehow, I would be all in on that. But all in general, I want them to reconsider the Legion of Doom because that would be so badass. I like but, it. Uh, what do you what do you think, Kyle? Do you think that's uh, what do you think, Brent? <laughs> well, uh, it's me. Um, yeah, no, I uh, I'm down with the Legion of Doom. I'm down with a, a, a Deathstroke. Like you said, uh, I think you kind of said it. They they've shown that they're interested in those characters. They've made movies with these types of characters. So yeah, especially yeah. if this does well, I don't see why they they can't do more of that. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of fun stuff to to, to do in that universe in the universe with those like anti-hero characters. So um, yeah, I'm I'm down for that. But maybe get a Superman right movie first. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. How about that? Okay. Um, all right. Another one of our listener topics. Uh, Eugene wanted us to mention some of our favorite sequels. He listed 12. I ain't going to do 12. Yeah. But I could do some favorite sequels. So, Brett, what, what's one that comes to mind for you? Um, uh, Terminator 2. It's probably one of the best sequels Ooh. ever made. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it's, yeah. the, it's up yeah. there, though. Let's go back and forth. So, okay. I yeah, see we'll trade it trade later, too. I hit you, Empire Strikes Back. Oh, to you're, me, you're... that was a sequel that took the, the promise of the previous movie and totally took things to another level. It was a sequel that I like better than the first. What do you well, got? then I'm going to have to give you a good game over, man, and go with Aliens, even though I hate James ah. Cameron. <laughs> I don't really hate him. All right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Aliens is serious. All right. I see your Aliens, and I hit you with Back to the Future 2. Okay. I like Back to the Future 2 more than Back to the Future 1. I was always obsessed with the Flash to the Future. Yeah. And the me flying too. cars. <laughs> Every and, kid was. And, and all that stuff. Yeah. But but then Sold the fact that you go back to 1955 and we get to relive some of the scenes from the first movie, but yeah. uh, with a new context and from a different vantage point and with our characters, you know, in a new situation. And then we have the alternate 1985 with evil Donald Trump Biff yeah. as the, you know, with that hotel. It's like, amazing. <laughs> to me, that movie was like, what is going on? It's, I love that. So Back to the Future 2. What's your next sequel? Huh? Um, my next sequel, ooh, this is a tough one. Um, I mean, it's not actually too tough. Uh, the Dark Knight. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Although, I mean, listen, it is a really good sequel, but I, I do think like, I, I might like Batman Begins a little better it, it, as time has passed. See, I'm more of a Batman Begins guy yeah. myself. Yeah. But the Dark Knight is, is an incredible sequel. It absolutely is. So I yes. think it still stands yes. in there. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Aside from this is going to be problem. totally random, totally random, and not on the scale of what we've been discussing. You might not have even seen either of these movies. But to me, City Slickers 2 is one of the greatest sequels that's ever <laughs> happened. With Billy Crystal and Daniel Stern and John Lovitz, Jack Palance. Did you see any of the City Slickers movies? I did. I saw them like when I was very like like young, okay. like way younger though. So like I, I remember them and I love Billy Crystal and, and all them. But yeah. I don't know if I could like recall yeah. them in a very oh, good manner. Well, City Slickers 2, totally worth your time. One of my all-time favorite sequels. Do you have another one, Brett? Um, another one I will go with is, um, where was it? I just like lost it. I know I'm stalling. 
Because, you know, if we, if we had, like, prepared ahead of time or we're, like, doing this on the fly, I'm trying to be lightning fast. Lightning fast. Um, oh, uh, yes. I'm going to wow. go back a little bit. I'm going to stay in the superhero realm. Uh, X-Men 2. Oh, yes. See, that would have been on mine, too. Yeah, it's really X-Men. good. That was a pretty special one. Okay. All right. I see your X2, and I raise you the Godfather 2. I knew you were going to do the Godfather. I, yeah. And see, and I'm not referring to some list I Googled right now. Okay. This is off the top of my day. I know. Head. The Godfather. You know, sometimes you have to make lists. I forget what movies come out. Bringing in Robert De Niro, taking it back, and you have the two timelines going on. Oh, Godfather 2 is unbelievable. Um, I'm going to go with another one. What little one. list are you looking at now? I'm not looking at any <laughs> list. There's a. Uh, Cause it's like, I need to, I'm, I'm a visual learner, like in person. And like, I need to sometimes like see visuals, um, to trigger my memory. Uh, this isn't like a, like a, like a, a two in the series, but, uh, mission impossible fallout. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay. is actually really good. And actually uh, I'm actually torn with you full. I really enjoyed rogue nation as well. And, and those are like the two, but like, those are two good sequels as well. I give you a double Indiana a double Jones there. and the Last Crusade. I love that one with Sean Connery as his father, uh, and the whole the, the quest for the Holy Grail. That was just a phenomenal one, and that was the third movie in the franchise. It got it hit its peak at the third movie. That's right. the kind of stuff Spielberg does. Do you have any more, or are you officially bankrupted on Captain America: The Winter Soldier? Ooh, all right, but that's kind of that, that is a safe bet. But uh, I'll come with you on that one. I yeah. will come with you on. I, lo- that. I I love that movie. Still, still probably my favorite MCU movie. Um, and I think I'm gonna wrap us up on this topic with, believe it or not, Rocky Two. Rocky Two is one okay. of my favorite sequels too. Okay, I don't know that I like it better than the first, but what it does with Rocky's character and how it fleshes out. His uh, his character and Adrian's relationship and all that sort of stuff, and the fact that that's the one where he finally actually wins the big fight—that's always right. the funny thing about Rocky. The first movie, people forget he loses. The yeah, he loses. he loses in Rocky One. In Rocky Two is when now he finally becomes the world champion. Sorry, this is a spoiler going uh, with thirty. Yeah, years spoiler. Forty-five years later, spoiler alert. But uh, there you go. So those are some of our favorite sequels. And there was a question about favorite games this year, and I'm just going to give all of that to Brett because I, I, the only game that is remotely new that I've played is Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I've already discussed to death on this show. So, yeah. Brett, if you had to rank some of your favorite games of this calendar year, what uh, what would you say? Yeah, so you know, I've, I'm sticking obviously to games that came out this year because I did actually a bunch of games I played this year were like older games that I like finally just got around to. Um, but I'll keep it a short list. Um, and, and there's one that hasn't released yet, but will be releasing soon. That is possible. Will, would probably be on this list. But, uh, as of right now, uh, tunic, which you've heard me rave about, uh, tunic, by the way, yeah. is now out for Nintendo switch. It's a Zelda like, and it's just a, a beautiful game. And it, it was, uh, I got to interact and play that game and learn and understand that game in a very unique way from anything else. 
um, with like the cool mechanic with of this like instruction booklet. That's all I'll say. Uh, I've also really enjoyed Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which is a spinoff of the Borderlands series with more of a fantasy uh, tilt to it and kind of Dungeons and Dragons. But it's still like the fun gun gameplay, grabbing a bunch of million different kinds of guns. And, uh, you know, Will Arnett, Andy Samberg and Wanda Sykes uh, do voices oh, in it. And great they're great. Cast. So yeah. it makes it really, really fun. Yeah, it's really, really fun. And, uh, you know, just visually uh, kind of shakes up the Borderlands series a bit. Um, and also, my, my honestly, like my first like real Kirby game, because like I don't play Kirby. I don't buy them. I've dabbled in the old ones. I play a level and I'm usually like, I hate this. This sucks. Uh, <laughs> Kirby and the Forgotten Land this year surprised me. It's really good. It's really good. It gets very challenging at the end. And there's like a whole area that opens up later. And it's like, oh, shit, like I'm dying. I'm getting my ass kicked in <laughs> boss fights in a Kirby game, which are usually like handholdy, very easy. So it was, it was yeah. very, very fun. So those are my ones right it's now. It's you and, and my then, eight-year-old son. Yeah. I yeah, love that game. <laughs> exactly. And then probably like in a month from now, um, I'll be telling you that God of War Ragnarok, which is coming out in about a month, ah, is going to yeah. be uh, up there. Um, oh, and I, I should say there's a sequel. The last one. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you should you finish the last one. It's an incredible game. Sequel sounds it looks like it's going to be incredible. Had one of the best trailers I think I've ever seen for anything ever. Like <laughs> really good trailer uh, recently. And uh, there's also the new Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Well, that was the first game. Mm. Now this one's Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope. It's like a strategy kind of XCOM game, which also yeah. came out of nowhere when the Switch launched. And I was like, I don't even like these games. This game is awesome. The sequel looks fantastic. So you can probably add those two on. I'm sure I'll be gushing about them when they come out. Yeah. All right. I'm going to wrap things up on the listener topics with one more email. So here we go. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on Deadpool 3, Blade, Fantastic Four, and Avengers Secret Wars getting new release dates? With the recent news of movies like Deadpool 3, Blade, Fantastic Four, and Avengers Secret Wars getting new release dates, what are your overall thoughts on the news? Personally, I am very happy that Kevin Feige and his team at Marvel Studios are doing the right thing. I'm also very happy that they are taking their time to develop the story, including giving the visual, giving the visual effects artists plenty of time to finish the entire post-production process for the Marvel Cinematic Universe going forward. So, yeah, you know, I wanted to bring this up because, you know, so, some people feel like whenever DC has to backpedal, on a release date or delay something there's some kind of huge oh my god you know there's yeah. a meltdown online Turmoil. but marvel just like moved four of their things and actually like removed blade from the schedule for now because they lost a director and they're opting to kind of pause things while they seek a new one and amidst reports that star mahershala ali is not digging this so far he's very frustrated with the process uh, involved with developing this blade movie. I mean, this is what happens though. He's probably yeah. learning this is what happens when you develop a movie with Marvel studios, you know, it kind of is by committee. It's Kevin Feige and in his vision and yeah. the creatives that he tapped on it and where it fits in the architecture of what, the, you know, the, the grander story. So you can't just make whatever cool movie you want to make. It has to fit into certain things. So yeah. it seems like Ali's learning that. And it seems like Blade now has been removed from the schedule while they, you know, figure out where they're going to go with it and who's going to direct it and hopefully get it creatively in line. But at the same time, 
It's funny because Deadpool through through Deadpool <laughs> three just had all that great publicity two weeks ago with the Hugh Jackman return as Wolverine, and they announced a date then, and they've already changed the date. It's like wow, it's really you know. <laughs> but again. Uh, that Fantastic Four and Avengers, I believe the Secret Wars, they've all been moved for, you know, they've all been delayed. And listen, I'm there with you, Eugene. I think this is actually what's best for business. It's better that the movies get delayed and worked on than just rushed to meet an arbitrary date that they set on a schedule right. years ago. You know, I would rather them delay a film by a year and have it be great than you give me some half-baked thing to meet the deadline, you know? Um, and also, you know, for me, like, I don't have a lot of skin in the game with any of these because I'm not particularly hooked on what Marvel's been churning out since Endgame, you know? Yeah. So I'm sure I'd also be a little more like, oh, come on, if I was like... <laughs> Waiting for any of these anxiously. Of yeah. these, the one I'm most into right now is Deadpool 3. If I had to go second place, it would be Fantastic Four, yep. then Blade, and then that Avengers movie that I don't know enough about yet to give a shit about. So, I think I agree uh, with you. That, that's probably my order as of right now, too. Yeah. But, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Brett, do you have any problems with these delays or any opinions about the fact that Marvel does it and it's fine and DC does it and the world's on fire? It just it just feels like, well, I mean, like it's just like a given that Marvel's going to come out with these fucking movies. So, like, they're not even, like, made yet. They're not even written yet. So, like, when you just say, like, oh, we're delaying the release, it means nothing to me because, like, it wasn't even a thing yet. Like, it's not like it was, like, pending release. Like, it hasn't even yeah. been made. You know, so, it's like, yeah, like I, I get it. Trailers for these things yet. Yeah, I get yeah, there yeah, will I be know. three or four Marvel movies and three TV shows every fucking year. Like, at this point, it's a given. But it, it is funny that, yeah, like, it's always when, when DC does it, it's, oh, my God, turmoil. But it's because of, like, just – it's been so public, all the drama at WB and yeah. shit. So, like, that's what everyone just links it to. And when Marvel does it, it's like, oh, they're they're being strategic and planning. You know, like, they're so yep. smart. So it is, it's, it's a, it's a funny weird thing. And listen, uh, DC, like when they get back on track and, and uh, you know, the, the, the tune will turn and listen, people are souring on stuff now. And again, like I'm, as I'm talking about this too, I'm like, you're an, you're an asshole. Why have you not watched She-Hulk? Like they, <laughs> they've no, because like they, they use that. I, uh, I feel like I can't even say anything else. I don't know. The finale was really cool and meta and I will try what, very what relevant. Like that are only it's a half nine hour episodes long. and they're a half hour each so it's like three yeah, hours i can just, binge that for next week if just, it's any good so i will try eat a chicken we will talk about it <laughs> on next week's show okay damn it so um everyone who sent in questions thank you for sending your questions yeah. over to the fanboy podcast at gmail.com if you have other questions you would like addressed here in a future ask the fanboys episode please by all means send it there and uh, follow us over on the twitter at the fanboy show and brett why don't you tell people how they could follow you you can find me on, on twitter, twitter at super Brecon. just on twitter i mean yeah that's really all I'm, I'm like that active on so follow me there all right so everyone we hope you enjoyed uh, episode 165 of the fanboy podcast and especially uh my special guest earlier for the superman on film update mr james prescott that was pretty damn cool to finally have that conversation and uh, folks until next time be kind
music was very loud. <laughs> I tried something. <laughs> Bye. So long.